Democrats, do you know the difference between Donald Trump and Greenland? Greenland is not for sale. You just heard from Amy Klobuchar. She's a Democratic Minnesota Senator running for president, campaigning on a more moderate agenda and a pledge to pick up states Trump won in the 2016 election. Klobuchar is hoping her pragmatic message will appeal to Californians. She joins us on the show as part of our ongoing series of candidate conversations. I'm Brian Anderson. You're listening to California Nation. We are not going to have a circus here. But we just left pleasure for paradise. Can you please hug me? (laughs) Do not worry, Dutch is not here today. We, We clearly learned our lesson. These are not ordinary times. And this will not be an ordinary election. I'm Brian Anderson. You're listening to California Nation. As part of our series interviewing 2020 presidential candidates, we're here with Senator Amy Klobuchar. Senator, thanks for coming on the show. Well, it's wonderful to be on. Thank you. And it's great to be in beautiful California. And we are here in California for the DNC meetings in San Francisco. So what, if any, ties do you have to the state here? Well, I'm actually going to see my best friend from law school, Kate Stacy, who has long worked with the San Francisco City Attorney's Office. She does land use and uh, got to work on the stadium at some point uh, and is just great work. And so my husband, John, and I, and our daughter, Abigail, who's here with me, uh, we have traveled with them in California, done a lot of hiking, uh, went up north, uh, have seen your beautiful uh, national parks, um, and then, of course, been in Southern California as well. And um, one of the parts about my work that I love, because I'm on the Agriculture um, Committee, been to a California orange grove that one of my friends from college actually runs uh, and uh, have worked on a lot of ag issues with parts of your state. And then the other thing is I head up the tourism uh, caucus and carry a lot of those bills. And so I work with California all the time. It's such an important business here. And that's everything from keeping our environment strong to uh, making sure that we make it easier and not harder uh, for foreign visitors who, when they visit California, spend a lot of money and provide a lot of jobs here to visit. So plenty um, of ties to the state. There's a lot of ties here. <laughs> so California is a very progressive state, and your message on electability has really centered around, I can win the swing states. I've won <laughs> Trump districts, but how will you win here in California? What's yeah. your strategy for these types of voters? Well, I think two answers there. One, people in California want to win as much as anyone. Uh, they understand uh, the Democrats in California, and I had a good reception when I came out for the California convention. Uh, they understand that we've got to win. And everything that they want to do, every progressive thing that I agree with that we have to move on from climate change to immigration reform, such a big issue here, um, to doing something about health care and bringing down the cost of uh, pharmaceuticals, we can't do that if we can't win. And I saw these incredible house races in California, um, in Orange County and other places. Seven where house seats flipped Exactly, and I've met most of those new members of Congress. Uh, But that wouldn't have happened if not just in their own districts, but all over the state, people didn't unite and say, you know what? I don't know if I agree with every single thing this person says, but I know how important it is to take back the House. Um, And I think that same kind of sentiment, uh, that practical sentiment, but also aspirational sentiment that we are so much better as a country. That is the case that I'll be making. I'm someone that brings people together 
uh, across geographic lines. I'm, I'm someone that has brought in a lot of independent voters, moderate Republicans, and still, I will say, Minnesota, when I led the ticket last time, had the highest voter turnout in the country. So, so if people are interested in building base and getting people turned out, you can look over what I did in Minnesota. What would you say is your most ambitious policy goal? I would say the most ambitious thing is to um, is to actually uh, cut child poverty in half in 10 years and eliminate it in a generation. Uh, I think that that is something that's doable. It's coming out of a National Academy of Science report. And of course, with it will become so much other things that reduce poverty. I'd say the other thing that is just a cataclysmic, cataclysmic moment uh, in terms of goal um, is going to carbon neutral uh, by 2050. Uh, because if we don't do that, when you look at what's happening right now with the um, ice sheet melting and the effect that it's going to have on California, um, and when you look at what's happening with the wildfires, I always use the example of that dad coming out of uh, paradise with his daughter singing to her, trying to calm her down as the flames are lapping over their car. Anyone that watches that video know that the climate crisis isn't happening in 100 years, it's happening right now. So those are two big goals. And then I would add, in terms of legislative, I really think we can get immigration reform done in the first year, because Republicans want to move. They're just afraid of Donald Trump. You get rid of him, you get it done. Uh, and then also, I think we need to do something on the health care costs, um, as well as um, getting these democracy bills done. So I want to dive into some of those policy issues, but I have two personal questions. Oh, excellent. And I've got to crank it out at, at the outset. <laughs> As it relates to staffing concerns, some uh -huh. people just hear your name, and that's one of the first things that mm -hmm. come up. Mm -hmm. How? What's your response to that concern that people have that sure. you might be mistreating yourself? Well, I, um, first of all, you can ask them. They're right here. Um, and we have a great team on this campaign, and I have a great team in Washington, or I wouldn't have been um, voted just last year as the most effective senator on 15 metrics by Vanderbilt University. I passed over 100 bills where I'm the lead Democrat, and I love my staff. I do push people, that is true, uh, but I believe that we need to have really high standards, uh, not just um, uh, for individual senators, but also for our country. Uh, and I'm going to continue um, to be someone that has those high standards. Um, and you know, you can always do better, I've said that before, but overall, I think you've got to look at my record of accomplishment uh, and the number of staff we've had that have gone on to, I think, over 20. Uh, went on to get very important jobs in the Obama administration. It was kind of a farm team for them because I hired good people and trained them and worked with them. Um, and that is, I think, really important to have um, really good people. And outside of votes, what's one personal regret you have, whether it be outside of politics, just in your life, and what did you learn from it? Um, well, I think that my, probably my, just in terms of work that I've done, because I can't help but think that, is that uh, when we had the Affordable Care Act, honestly, I wish that I had pushed harder on the pharmaceutical issue. We didn't do anything on it, and every vote was important. What about so outside, outside of politics, just Outside of politics? Uh, well, I... Uh, I, I know your life is politics. No, no, no. Okay, you really want to know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I wish I would have like started like working out and lifting weights at a very young age and had really strong arms. <laughs> I think I would be like feeling better right now. But when I was back then, uh, you know, we didn't really know that. We were like trying to get suntans and everything else. So 
you know, it's kind of hard to do in later on. Okay, so let's transition to policy. As far as um, the California shooting in Gilroy, you just had a news conference about these mass shootings. What executive action would you take as president surrounding gun violence? Well, there's a few things you can do without Congress. And one of them is to start up the CDC uh, research. Someone just asked me that question from California today. Uh, you can start that up without Congress. And that's been stopped in its tracks on gun violence. And that's just ridiculous. This is Center for Disease Control. When we have this many people dying, thousands of people dying every year in California from gun violence, shouldn't we study it as a human and a community health issue and try to figure out what we can do to prevent it. Secondly, you can close the boyfriend loophole. I carry that bill right now, which basically says, you know, if you are convicted of a domestic abuse, then you can't get a gun if it's against your wife or someone you live with or a husband. But if it's a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you can go out and get an AK-47. That's ridiculous. You can actually close that loophole without Congress, without passing the law. So that's the second thing you can do. And then the third, with whatever we don't get done now, we're trying to get universal background checks, the closing the boyfriend loophole, and closing the Charleston loophole to allow police to finish their vetting. If Mitch McConnell allows for votes on that, we win. If he doesn't, we're going to have to get it done uh, when I'm president. And we also should ban assault weapons. Uh, for sale, which your Senator, Senator Feinstein, has led on for years, and the high-capacity magazines for sale. Two quick yes-nos. Do you want to see a national buyback program? I'd like to see one, yes. And background checks, you support them universally, but what about for ammunition? In California, it has required background checks for I'll have ammunition. I to look at that. I actually, I have to see. I've looked at all our legislation. I'm not being evasive. I just want to look at it. Gotcha. And what it is. It makes sense. I mean, what I'd like to do is stop selling these high-capacity magazines, so you wouldn't need background checks if you did that. And so I want to see how it would work together. Saying Democrats don't win the Senate in 2020 and don't flip it, and you have Mitch McConnell, what, if anything, any policy issue do you think you can get done legislatively with him? As oh, the I think you can get immigration reform done because I know where my colleagues are on this, and uh, they're just scared of Trump. We had a big deal on Dreamers. Um, and also for the temporary status people, the hundreds of thousands here on that. And he got punched us and we couldn't get it done. And that would be the White House did that. You get rid of the White, if you, Trump's in, we can't get this stuff done. But if you have me as president and Republicans still control the Senate, which I do not think is going to happen, I actually truly believe we're going to win, um, you could get immigration reform done. And what's that look like? What's immigration Like the 2013 reform? bill. Okay. I mean, it would be updated. We're not talking be, decriminalizing border crossings. Um, I don't think, though. I don't think that would get through. Uh, but what you can do is the path to citizenship, an arduous path to citizenship. You can just do a whole bunch of things with legal immigration. It reduces the deficit, CBO score, Congressional Budget Office, by $158 billion. I don't know what Republican wouldn't be for that. Then you can use part of the money for security. You can use part of it for asylum cases to process them better, um, to get better, more humane conditions for uh, centers. And then you can also use it, of course, to help those Northern Triangle countries, but most of it would just go to pay off the debt. Two final ones. As far as healthcare, that's a big priority here and a top concern among Californians if you look at polling. As it relates to prescription drugs and insurance premium costs, what would you do to lower those? Mm -hmm. Well. One of the sad things that the people of California should know is that there are two pharma lobbyists for every member of Congress. 
and they think they own Washington. I think they probably do, but they don't own me. I have been leading the bills to take them on since I got to the Senate. Uh, what I would do is, first of all, um, uh, take on prescription drugs uh, by passing my bill, and I would lead this uh, as president. Uh, to unleash the power of 43 million seniors to negotiate better prices with Medicare. VA, Medicaid gets to negotiate, Medicare is stuck with the prices. Outrageous. It would help everyone, by the way, not just seniors. Uh, I would bring in less expensive drugs from other countries. I found out that you can do that without a bill as well. Um, and that would create a lot of competition. I lead that bill with Senator Grassley. Uh, and then I would also stop the practice where big pharmaceuticals pay off generics to keep their products off the market. Another outrage. All of this would spur more competition so that we would bring down the prices. And so much of this is raw political power. Nothing happened through the Affordable Care Act. Nothing happened during Trump. Uh, these guys just basically run things and they will not run things when I'm in charge. And you can fact check me on this, but I believe at my last count there were 7,000 plus Democrats running in 2020. There are. There are. are there really? Like, <laughs> there might be. I don't know. I, okay, so what's the question? No, so there are plenty of Democrats running, but what's your distinguishing factor and why are you sure. the person yeah. to take on Trump? Well, uh, there, there's usually more in the range of 20. Sure. Um, and uh, here's, here's, my, here's my case, and it's a good one. Um, so I am from the Midwest. That's where we had a lot of trouble winning. My mom's from Wisconsin, uh, and I will be able to win those states, especially Wisconsin and Michigan, states we lost. Minnesota, the president's making a big play for Minnesota, my state. Um, and I've got the facts. It's not just words. I have won every congressional seat every time I've run, three times. I have won Michelle Bachman's seat, uh, that congressional district. I won in that district. I won 42 red counties that Donald Trump won. And I've done it not by selling out on the values that uh, we share as Democrats, uh, but by meeting people where they are, by looking them in the eye and telling the truth, by being tough, yes, being tough in terms of pushing through bills and getting things done for them. And once that's your goal, everything else melts away. Um, and that's how I've gotten things done. And I think that's gonna matter to people. Senator, thank you so much for coming okay. on the show. Thank you. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to our show. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps listeners like you find our show. Word of mouth also helps. We'll return to your podcast feed in two weeks with another episode. To keep up with all things California politics, you can follow me on Twitter at Brian R. Anderson. That's B-R-Y-A-N-R-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. Until next time, I'm Brian Anderson. This is California Nation. audio test question, can you tell me one thing you like about Mitch McConnell? Uh, I like the state of Kentucky. You like the state represents. of Kentucky. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs>